We're talking about purging ourselves. The scripture, the Bible is full of scriptures that teach the Christian that he needs to clean house. He needs to purge himself. It's our responsibility. Uh, the Bible says we should present ourselves to God. Present our bodies to God. It's not God that will do that. We present our bodies to God. It's the responsibility we have. Because we can do all things through the strength that Christ gives us. So there's no excuse for not doing that. So we're talking about every tree that's not planted in our lives must be uprooted. The scriptures say every, every tree my father did not, does not plant will be uprooted. So we need to really, really clean up house. Remember, Jesus went to the temple and drove out everything that was not supposed to be there. He drove it out, and you know that is typical of us because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are his present-day temple. That was physical temple, but we are the spiritual temple. So what that thing is teaching us is that we need to sweep house. We need to sweep house. And then because of the harm, the same harm death does in your house, the same harm impurities will do in your house, do in your kitchen, the same things it will do in your, in your life if you live them. It's not different. It's not different at all. So in Hebrew 12 verse 1, therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off. See, we, again, this responsibility comes straight to us. It comes to me, it comes to you. Let us strip off every weight, not some. It's not a question of, man, I'm better today. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us off. And let us run with endurance the rest God has said before us. The scripture is very clear that these things trip us off. Anything that trips you off when you are running is not good for you. That thing will make you not get the crown, not get the, the goal, not get to where you are going. It will hinder you. It's a very serious thing. I don't see that you are competing in a race and you get to the track and there are things on the road that will make you strip. You want them out because you know you are not, get, you are not getting there. And the scripture says, these things will make trip us off and hinder us from getting our goals, hinder us when you pray, you labor. You labor and labor and labor because something is hindering your spiritual flow. Instead of the life of God gushing, you have it in trechos. And we need to acknowledge these things, whether it's anger. Look, there's no pride in this thing. Pride will blind you and make you feel comfortable in iniquity. It will. There's no pride in this thing. You need to acknowledge this thing. I need to look at my life and say, you know what? Because nobody knows me like I know myself. I should be able to tell myself, why, why do you always get angry? Why? Why do, you, why do I snap at my wife? Why? This is, this, is, this is part of the thing. Why? Or why do I always lie? Why am I lying all the time? Why do I exaggerate? I want people to see me that I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Tell lies. Why am I projecting myself? We know, everybody knows himself. Church, everybody knows himself. The temple needs to be clean. This is not the message that God gave me newly because last year the Lord told me and I was telling people, I said, we're going to clean house, we're going to clean house, we're going to clean house. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear Message says, if I cozy up with evil, 
In fact, cozy up. Cozy up is, is in my body. You leave it there. Because you go to church, you, you do all the all manner of things that we do in church, but you leave these things there. Who, who, who goes to work and your house is full of junk? And you come back, you sleep on the junk? Nobody does that. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. 14. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed to serious trouble. So it's important that I look at myself. Listen, when God gives us mercy, let's, let's be serious about it. If you are not serious about it, he's not talking to you again. The Bible says so. I didn't say so. He's not talking to you anymore. You, you think he's talking to you. Your, your, your mind will be talking to you. The demons will be talking you think, And you find out that most of the things that you, th you think God is telling you never really end into anything worth talking about. So the, this message is, we need to, I need to look at myself. And not, and not think it's okay. It's not okay. Anything that is not the nature of Christ in my life must go. It has to go. Because the Bible says it's making me stumble. It's, it's, it's hampering me. Not even to go into details of the things it can do to you, ruin your career, ruin your marriage, ruin your health, destroy your health, destroy your finances. So we need to take advantage of grace. Take advantage of grace. This is not going into religious uh, Legalism, that's not what we preach We don't preach that. You need to take advantage of grace that is available to deal with these things. You know what grace has done, brethren? Let me tell you what grace has done in a very simple explanation. Grace, by grace, God has delivered us from self-help. From what? I didn't hear you well. Self-help. And grace brought us God's help. That's what it is. By grace, God has delivered you and I from self-help. Self-help. Self-medication. You know what self-medication leads to? Self-help. The arm of the flesh that does not help anybody. And brought us under the, the power of the arm of God. That's why the scripture says we cannot do all things through the strength that Christ now supplies you. You see, grace is amazing. It brings you into the arm of Christ. Where your, the Lord is your strength. The ability is now Christ. That's grace. That's grace. That's grace. That's grace. You therefore do not deal with anything anymore with self-help. Self-help will not work. It can work. It's God's help. It's divine help. Can I hear Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. God's partners, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it, verse 2. For God says, at just the right time, listen to scripture, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Pastors, indeed, the right time is now, today is the day of salvation. God said, I've sent you help. I've sent you my arm. The arm of the Lord is Christ. The power of God is Jesus. We always say that Jesus is the answer. And he is the answer. God said, I've had you. I've sent you help. I've sent you strength. 
the strength of the Lord. I've sent the anointing. You have the anointing. I've sent you power. I've sent you help. I've, it's not going to, I've said I've done it. I've done it. So you can't stand before God and give excuse why you, you allow these things or I allow them. No, God said, I've sent you help. A part of the help is the privilege of prayer because prayer is an act of grace where God gave you access to him, not based on what you did, but based on what he did, the arm of the Lord, based on divine work, divine arm. Grace is divine arm working in your life. Under the law and the old covenant, it was not divine arm. It was the arm of men. It felt. It felt. You don't try that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Don't go into legalism. Try that. Thinking that you can make yourself what you can be known. The Bible makes it clear. It is by the grace of God that we are what we are. It is the arm of the Lord. So prayer is part of taking advantage of provision of grace. Access to God is what God gave you and I. He gave you and I access to him. Based on Christ, what Christ did, his blood, his sacrifice, he guarantees that access. So it's, it's, it would be awesome to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I notice this, 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 this. It shouldn't be there. I need you to instruct me, to help me. Get this out of me. So we take that advantage. Remember uh, our beloved pastor, Tunde Fasharate, told a story along this line when he was smoking. He couldn't quit smoking. And he went to the Lord. He said, I shouldn't be smoking. He said, I shouldn't be. And the Lord said, sure, you shouldn't be smoking, but you are smoking. He said, I will decide not to smoke. That's arm of the flesh. He said, I will decide not to smoke. Within hours, I will smoke. I smoke areas. The one I didn't smoke before and the new one. And you know, that's what happens. When you oh, from Lord, I'm not going to do this. You are kidding yourself. That's arm of the flesh. He will fail you. That's boasting in you. Our boast should always in the Lord. So the Lord told him, and said, if you want to stop smoking, when you are going to walk, listen. He said, don't go through the route of that woman that sells cigarettes to you. He said, find another route. Avoid that woman altogether. It's your source of trouble. And so every morning, instead of going towards that route, because each time she will pass the woman, the woman will greet him and say, customer, how are you? And then he will stop by and be a good customer and buy more. So the Lord said, you can't stop it unless you avoid that route completely. That has become a weak point for you. You know that's one way God can help you and me. And God can tell you and say, see, the reason you are snapping at this and doing this is because of this. If you avoid this pitfall, he said, I will save you from the trap of the fowler. He will show you the trap the devil has set that he uses to mess up your testimony. If you follow those instructions, you'll be free. He will tell you, sometimes it's your friend, sometimes the books you read, sometimes what you watch. Sometimes tell you to go and make peace with somebody. But those words, those words are sent to deliver us. And we should take them serious. But then let me tell you, take this thing serious. Don't, don't live your life mediocre life. Don't, don't do that. You'll be cheating yourself and wasting your life. Because this life is, this life is just once. This, this is real. It's not a rehearsal. I sit down and I'm adding 10 years to my age. I'm adding 20 to my age. I'm saying, wow. I wasn't long. We arrived in this country. Now it's 19 years is gone. I don't even know when it passed. You think you have time in your pocket? Think again. Think again. Telling you the truth of the matter. Think again. 
every Christian must, it must be your purpose and goal. That everything not planted by God in your life must be what? Uprooted. And you go to God in prayer until you have that assurance in your spirit that God has done it. Until you have that witness in your spirit. Until you come out singing with victory. Because if it's not important to you, you remain there. And you'll be doing rituals, powerless rituals and worse theater. And wondering what's going on in your life. Now, our today's teaching is focused on this cultivating daily work with Jesus. Growing closer to the Lord Jesus. You know, this one dovetails into this. <laughs> they become one. You know, from the scripture we read, Jesus said, you read the scriptures, you think in reading them you have life. But they are the, the things that point you to me. So that when you come to me, you will have life. Now, you see, these people didn't know the purpose of scripture. Like today, we have missed again the purpose of scripture. We think the purpose of scripture is to gather information. It's important to gather that information. But that information is supposed to draw you to Christ himself. Scriptures is not an end. It's not an end in themselves. So that's, that's what Jesus is saying. You see, people read scripture and search it because you think, having done my quiet time, prayed in the morning, I, don't know, I have arrived at an end. He said, no, no. That is a, a, is a means to an, the end. The end is it draws you close to my presence. I am God. I am diff- I'm a personality. It brings you to me. Oh, you know, we read it. I think we use it for salvation. Yeah, I can use it for salvation. But have you ever thought the scripture says, without me, you can do nothing? And the songwriter said, I need thee every hour. The scripture, everything you do as a Christian, is supposed to draw you to the presence of Jesus 24-7. That's why you should leave. That's why you should leave. You cannot ignore the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do, you will live in void. You have, the journey will be, that, space, that space will be void for you. That space will be void for you. Look at uh, John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. Where I am, where I am, there my servants will also be. Where I am, I want you to be where I am. I want you to live in my presence. Look at Hebrews 12. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has said before us, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? On who? Come on. On who? Jesus. So the, the way we live our lives is to keep our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Now, David said this prophetically. Psalm 121, he said, verse 1, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. In the Old Testament, Jesus was always referred as the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord, the Lord. He said, my help comes. He was talking prophetically about the New Testament. The, the deliverer. The helper. The savior. My help cometh from the Lord. 
who made heaven and earth. Remember, nothing was made that was made without Christ. So it's like an, it's like a, it's like a, a small child looks up to the father or the mother. He said, "I look up to." Looking up to is a word of dependence. The word of dependence, because Jesus is the source of everything. Jesus said, "These scriptures bring you to me. I am the source of everything." For instance, look at what Jesus can do for us. In Ephesians 4.21, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him. I think you know that him is not, is not inanimate object. Him is a being. Him is him. Him is him. Quit means you need to be taught by him. In an interactive relationship, should be taught by him. He said, "If so be you have had him." It didn't, it didn't say if you have it, you've had him, because the scriptures draw you to him, so he feeds you. He feeds you. He said, "If so be you have had him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, you've had him taught by him." In Second um, Corinthians twelve verse eight. You see the interactive relationship that Paul had with Jesus. To, to Paul, Jesus was the living Christ. Not, not the thing you read in the Bible. He has come from scriptures and become a living Christ, a companion to him. Jesus was alive with him. He knew the presence of his Lord. Look at what happened here in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for whom I am weak, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He says, I went to him three times. We had a conversation about this thing. That's somebody with a personality you talk to. It's not an inanimate purpose. It's a living Christ to him. Living Jesus to him. He said we had a conversation about this three times. And every single time, this is what he would tell me. I would tell him this. He would tell me this. An interactive relationship that produced strong faith to face circumstances. Look at Moses, Exodus 33, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. The Lord spake unto Moses how? Interactive. It was real. This is not Pastor Chinedu told me. This is Jesus that become living. Christ is real. The writer of John said we touched him. He was real to us. We touched him. We had him. We, we're not talking about something that's in the imagination. No, no, it's real. And look at this thing. Look at this. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. It's called communion. 
And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Verse 13, Exodus 33, verse 13. If it is true, now look at this interactive relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying. All you do in Christianity is to bring you to, to, to live in the presence of the living Christ. So you and him talk like this. You and him, he's real, he's, he's a person, he's a person. He's a person. He, he doesn't want you to have all these imaginative things. Faith is substance. Jesus becomes substance to you. You know him. Verse 13. If it is true that you look favorably on me. Look at this conversation. Somebody is having with God. Let me know your way so I may understand you more fully. And continue to enjoy your favor. And I remember that this nation is your very own people, 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and we give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Read this conversation. Look at verse 15. Then Moses said, the conversation is still going on. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't take us. Don't let us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me on me and your people if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. It's not, it's not your relig religious ritual that sets you apart. It's the, his presence with you that sets you apart. Jesus said, you cite the scriptures, you think it's an end. He said, no. It brings you to my presence. It brings you to live in my presence. It makes me real to you. It reveals me to you. So that my presence in act, act, being active in your life sets you apart from other people. If you understand me, say amen. It sets you apart. Then verse 17. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. That's what I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Show me your glorious presence, Lord. That's what I'm gunning for. That's my task. That's, that's what I want. Your presence with me sets me apart from anybody else. God said, Yeah, I find favor. Moses said, Okay, show me. You know, at this point, I would have been satisfied. Not Moses. He said, no, no, Lord. You see that your presence, I am hungry for it. I am thirsting after it. Why? Because Moses said, recognize that it is not what you do that sets you apart. It's what God does. Grace is what God does. It's what God does. It's not what, it's what God does. And Moses said, Hack, if, we, if you are not going with us, we're not going. <laughs> because without you, we can do nothing. He recognized the indispensability of divine presence in his life, which we must recognize this morning. The indispensability of divine activity in his life. He needs to, he, he, he's, he's desperate for it. After every conversation, the man goes back to there and says, Lord, you know, <laughs> yeah, I need your presence. 
I don't know how many times he repeated that. Your presence, your presence, your presence. And God had told him, I'll go with you. He kept emphasizing it. Your presence, your presence. I need your presence. Because without you, I can do nothing. And you know, Moses, knowing that without him, he can do nothing. Now yielded everything to him who can do everything. He yielded his life, the ministry, everything to him. Because it's not what he does that's replacing my part. It's what God does. So he yielded everything. Everything. Everybody say everything. I want to hear you. Everything. He yielded everything. He became meek. What is meek? Meek is easily entreated. No argument. Nothing. God, if you say right, that's it. If you say left, yeah, because without you, nothing happens. And I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And you can't be there when I've taken over and I'm leading myself. That will separate me from you. So look at, look at Numbers 13, 12 to 3. Now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He was never striving with God. Never. Because he said, it's you that makes the difference. So what am I going to do? It's what you do. It's everything you do now. So why am I striving with you? You are the boss. You know everything. You are, the battle is yours. Everything. He was never striving with God. Never arguing with God. That's meekness. And look at what God said in Genesis 3, 6, 6, 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. See, all these people that are unteachable, you make, they don't listen to anybody. <laughs> you want his presence to manifest in your life? It's, he told us, I resist the proud. I don't manifest in their life. I resist them. Every day of their life, I will resist whatever they do. That's God. He doesn't lie. That's what he said. Moses was so meek. And when he did something else, God said, this is over. Go home. You are done. You are done. Just go home. Say hand over to somebody else. Go home. Because I'm God, you are not. My spirit shall not always strive with me or you. God says, I can't. I didn't come to be arguing with you. You either willingly yield to me or you are your own. But strive? No. I'm not doing that. I sent to help the day of salvation. You either take the help, do whatever you like. First Peter 3 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. A meek and quiet spirit is in the sight of God of what? Great price. Great price. I remember the story my mentor told, how he went to a church, and he said the church was so packed, and the people were, man, having a good time, really? And he said the last seats available was what I got, my wife and I, said so immediately I sat there, my spirit was dead, and I looked at all these people jumping around, I said, and they are comfortable in this environment, so I tapped my wife, I said, we're living here now, this is not God. It's not God. 
his presence was not manifested. He said, and they were their job. They were job. Do you know my He said, I left. So I left them. And it wasn't long, those two, those two ministers that were doing all these things. One of them impregnated one of the girls. He, was, he said it wasn't long. He said, but how they sat there and couldn't even sense, couldn't even sense, and they were up, up, up. He said, they couldn't even sense. This is not his presence. He said, I, I couldn't believe it. Every noise is not God. Every praise the Lord is not Jesus. Every shouting is not you. It's not Every is not Jesus. My spirit will not strive with what? With man. He says, a meek spirit, quiet spirit, great price. Great price before God. A humble soul. James said, if you are wise, he said, you show your wisdom by meekness. If you know what's good for you, make yourself of no repetition. He said, if you are wise, if you know you think you are wise, he said, show it by the wisdom of meekness. If you, if you know you are wise in this life, he said, just do it. Because God says, if you want me to come and be striving with you, I'm not going to do that. Look at David in Psalm 89, verse 20. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exert upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. Acts 13, 22. Why did God say that I found David my servant? Why? And if you read down that psalm, you see great things that I was talking about. Now, Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse. This is God talking. A man after my own heart, which shall fulfill my will. I don't want somebody striving with me. This one will do what I say. And when Jesus came, he declared, I came to do thy will, what? Oh, God. He said, that's what I came to do. You don't strive with nobody. And certainly not with me. And when David stopped doing that, he lost the kingship. This is a man that wrote of the presence of God with him. Fear no evil, for thou art with me. He called him the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me green pastures. He leads me beside the waters. And God said, the reason my presence is manifesting there is because you are not striving with me. You do my will. You do my will. A man after God's heart. Do you know what it means to be after God's heart? I really said that language because you know English is not my first language. So I decided that. So let me find what is this a man after God said? I found that is somebody who is shielded to doing what God said. It's after what God wants done. And that's why every single time you see David do something, 
He never did what Adam did. He never said to God, it is that person, it is that woman. No, he said, I'm the one. Lord, I'm the one. He never exalted himself at all. Never. And if you read about David, he never repeated one sin twice. Never repeated it twice. The Japanese said in their proverb, to err is human, but to repeat it is not demonic. That's their proverb. I'm not a Japanese. And look at how David coveted the presence of God. Psalm 42 verse 1. As the heart pants and longs for the water brooks, so I pant and long for what? For what? For you. For you. Jesus said you cite the scriptures, you think that's the end. No, no, no. They start your heart to long for me. To long for me. Because it's my presence and what I do that sets you apart. I'm your deliverer, I'm your healer, I'm your wisdom, I'm your sanctification, and you are all and all. And without me, you can do nothing. You come to me, live where I am, there with my servants live. The church has lost this particular thing. Look at, that's, that's Psalm 42, verse 2. Verse 2. My inner self thirsts for God. My inner, my heart is thirsting for God. For the living God. I'm thirsting for him. I'm after him. Moses, I will be with you. Yes, sir. Moses, I know you by name. Yes, sir. Okay, can this conversation end? Sir, can I see your presence? David said, my inner self is trusting for God. How we get satisfied because we don't quiet time. We get satisfied. I prayed. So I fulfilled my beginning. No, no. Jesus said, no, those things point you to have a task for me. An inner task like this people. A hunger. Because I'm the one that will satisfy your task in life. I want to read, I want to show you something here. This is a comment that somebody made. They call him A.W. Toza, was a Bible teacher many years ago. Many years ago. They were the people who preached at the time of uh, all this, uh, all this uh, John Wesley and uh, you know. He wrote something along this line, which, which really blessed me. So I wanted to read it to you. It says sound, and then the English is that time. So the English may be King James shit, in King James style. But I, I know by the grace of God, you'll be able to understand what he's uh, saying in the present day context. It says sound biblical exposition. Listen, it's an imperative must in the church of the living God. Yes. He said sound teaching of the Bible is an imperative must in the church of the living God. Without it, no church can be a New Testament church in any sweet meaning of that term. No. So it's important to bring biblical exposition to the people. But exposition may be carried on in such a way as to leave the hearers devoid of any true spiritual nourishment whatsoever. For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. 
And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their heart. That's what he said. That the exposition of scripture is very important, but it's supposed to start into your heart a hunger for Jesus, a thirst for his presence. You know, Jesus himself had this hunger for the Father because he recognized, he said, Without my Father, I can do nothing. Just like Moses knew, I can't do anything. So he needed his Father all the time. In John 5 19, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Very, very lesson to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he said the Father do, for what things soever he does, doeth these also doeth the Son likewise. John 5, verse 30. John 5, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. John 4, 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 10, 17. The Father lost me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrificed it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. And then Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, a meek heart. He said, without my father, I can do nothing. And then he was yielded to the father to do everything because he is the one doing everything. God will not strive with man. He will not. And even when people were mocking him for trusting his father, even his enemies, when your enemies testify you trust God, then you really trust God. Look at like Matthew 27, 42. He saved, he saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. And we will believe him, 43. He trusted in God. This is his enemies. That's their testimony. He trusted in God. I mean, when you trust God so much, even people who, do, who are, the, you are detractors can say, of all things, this man trusts God. You know what they said of Daniel? They said, in everything, we can't get him in everything except in the matter with his God because he's faithful. So he trusted in God. Why? Because he said, I can't do anything without him. I can't. It's a waste of time. His presence sets me apart. And look at the result in John chapter 8, verse 29. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. Yep. The Father had not left me alone. 
For I do always those things that please him. Sure, God says, I will not always strive with you. If you want me to try, strive with you, I'm not going to do that. You go ahead, do what you You know, in Romans, he said, he abandoned some people to do what they like. So I'm not striving with you. If that is your choice, enjoy yourself. I do always those things that please him. John 14, 10. Believe it thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he does all the work. So I surrender to him. He does all the work. So he said, it's not my arm. It's my Father's arm. So in the present day, you can say, it's not my arm. Grace has delivered me from self-help. Is it God's help? The arm of the Lord. Isaiah 53. Call it the arm of the Lord. And if you want the arm of the Lord to work, then you have to surrender to that arm. And if he's working all the time, Jesus said, my father has not left me because he's the one working all the time. Can I hear MM here? Look at uh, Acts 2.22. Here another testimony about Jesus. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourself also know. A man approved of God. The Bible says he went about doing good. Why? Why? For God was what? That's what what brings the, the, the distinction. If I'm preaching to you and it's not him, who bless you? It's west of them. I'm not kidding you. Just west of them. You can hear them went to church. Nothing what? Because I can of my own also do what? So you can imagine the futility of not caring about his presence and his activity in your life. You can imagine. And that's why we started the first time. Let's clean house. He won't strive with you. If you want to be doing all that kind of thing, you'll be doing it. That's your business. They will not not striving with you. But when the actions come, you are the one doing your actions. Let me read some scriptures and I want you to think what these people are really seeking. They will become the church, their church people too. John 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I saw unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracle, but because you did eat of the loaves, and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him had the Father said. You see, why did these people come? You see, you are not seeking me for anything. They said for the bread which you ate. Look at Mark 9.34. Are you following me? If you are following me, say amen. Yeah, it will make all the difference. Mark 9, 34. But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. 35. And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. 36. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, 37. Whosoever shall receive one of such 
children in my name, received me, and whosoever shall receive me, received not me, but him that uh, sent me. So they were fighting over who should be the greatest. And he started teaching them about being humble, that the lower you go, the better for you in the kingdom of God. Did you think they had it? They didn't hear it. They didn't hear that teaching at all. Because, you know, they continued to fight over this thing. And then uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, after Jesus rose from the dead, <laughs> with all that, all that dead and resurrection, walking through the wall, and you think they changed their mind? They were still over, over this thing. They were still fighting who would be greatest. Even after resurrection. Because they had thought that Jesus came to give them the physical kingdom and kick out the Romans with all this power. Now he rose from the dead. Now he will do more than before. So now look at, look at this conversation in Acts chapter 1 verse 5. But John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He was telling them about baptism of the Holy Spirit. They are still asking about uh, power. <laughs> Even when he was telling them about his death, they were still asking, they were fighting over who will be. And then somebody went and brought the mother. It was such a serious contention that family got involved. And the woman came and said, oh, guys, you see, this? these are the two boys I have. They've been following you. So when you, in that kingdom, let this one stay by the right and let this one stay by the left. All they were thinking is position. And the people in church like that, preach all you want to, they think, all they think is position. They're not seeking Jesus. Acts 8.18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of an apostle's hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power. I need the anointing. Your ministry needs anointing. <laughs> I can't believe how many everybody has a ministry. Only few people have made who don't have ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Actually, every Christian is in a ministry of winning souls. But the sense in which I'm talking is a different one. So this one says in verse 19, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. You see why he comes to church? He's looking for anointing power to do miracles. Then in 1 Corinthians 1.22, for why Jews demandingly ask for signs and miracles and Greeks pursue philosophy and wisdom. We preach Christ crucified, preaching crucified, preaching which to the Jews is a scandal and an offense, stum, an offensive stumbling block that springs a snare or trap. And to the Gentiles, it is absurd and utterly unphilosophical and nonsense. He said, no matter what you preach to them, they are not hearing. What they demand is signs and uh, wonders. We want to see miracles. They are not hearing the sermon. They are not there to seek Jesus. They, are, they don't really want to know him. What they want is miracle. Do miracle for us. Matthew 28.5 And you answered and said unto the woman, Fear not yet, for I know that you seek Jesus. 
which was crucified. God knows what we seek. The angel said, don't worry, we know you are seeking Jesus. We understand it. You are not fooled. By all that thing people do, you are not fooled. We know what is in the heart of every man. We know you are seeking Jesus. And whoever seeks it shall what? Shall find. So we know it. We understand who you are seeking. We know who you want. We know, like David, your heart, your inner heart is yearning for the Lord himself. You know, I want to read to you about Paul. Paul, what Paul wrote is amazing about himself. I think in Philippians, Philippians 3.10. For my determined purpose is, Philippians 3.10, I'm reading Amplified. Amplified. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. You can see the heart of Paul. The wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may, in the same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And that I may, I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope of uh, resurrection. He said, for my determined purpose in life is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. You cannot see why Paul said, Jesus is my all and all. You cannot see where he came to call. He said, I don't want to hear anything except Christ and whom him crucified. You can see his heart. You can see what he was pursuing was Christ, his presence. Then he said, I dare not talk of anything except what Christ has done through me. Through me, what he's done, the acts of Christ. And then we that are today Christians, if we really want to follow Christ, if we want to experience his continuous presence, then we should look at John 10, 17. Therefore, that my father loved me because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. The command, this commandment have I received of my father. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me, he will keep my words. Now, I'm not striving with you. Keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our board with him. Take our place there. In John 14, 21, he that had my commandments and kept them, is he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself, what? To him. God says, I'm, I'm not coming to strive with you. I'm not coming to serve you. I'm not coming. Again, this is not a legalistic thing. This is not a, you know, when people don't understand grace, they push everything to grace and people fell, keep failing. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It brings you to where you trust the arm of, the, of, of God who will make you what? What? 
you should be. Galatians 2.20 shows us how. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ. The arm of God. The arm of God. The arm of God. Remember what we thought before? When Paul was saying, I do this, I do this. He felt. He felt totally. Until he began to say, it is no longer I bear Christ, the arm of God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness can come by the Lord, then Christ died in vain. Brethren, this is not to push you to the law, it's to make you strong in grace, in the arm of the Lord, who only can make you what you will be, and bring you into that understanding that this presence makes the difference in your life. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise and glory for what you've shared with us. You are looking for a man. You want to manifest your presence. You want to manifest your glory. That's why you came down on earth to make a way for us. So that, Lord, your glory will be revealed to us. So that your glory will be revealed to us. Father, I pray that you help us to understand that we have to accept you as Lord and let you walk in our lives. The arm of flesh is waste of time. We need to yield to you so that you can clean us up. Those things in our hearts that make us stumble, that make us resist you, that they, we wipe them out. We have to have a desire to get rid of them. We can't wait until they ruin our lives. And they're hampering this interactive relationship with you. And they're establishing things that shouldn't be there, that are attacking our lives, messing up our testimonies. Lord, I pray that you help us to cling to Christ, to know that without him we can do nothing, so that our hearts will yearn for him. So, Lord, you can begin to do the work which only you can do in our lives and begin to reveal. You said, if it's true that we have heard from you, that you have taught us. So, they begin to teach us the true things of our life. So, we follow you to life and glory. I commit ourselves into your hand. Father God of mercy, this teaching, only you can reveal it to us. Open our hearts to understand it. In Jesus' name we pray. And merciful Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have to pray for your people. Every time we gather, we pray for the sick because we should feel their pain. We should be compassionate. It's somebody that is under pain it's somebody whose life is being threatened. We must be concerned. We must be concerned. And we take advantage of what grace has provided us. Grace has provided us the authority of heaven in the name of Jesus. He's given us the authority of heaven that is vested in the name of Jesus to use here on earth to set men free, to bring to bear your power in the circumstances of people. Father, therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for everybody that is here that has one form of sickness or the other. And those who are listening to us all over the world, at this point, you need to show God where you need to be healed. Father, we're praying for all of them because you, 
in the spirit world there's no distance that your merciful hand your unfailing hand of power your hand of righteousness will touch your children because you want them well you want them healed that's why you send jesus that's why you send jesus to make the grace of healing available to us father heal your people from head to toe and father especially these beautiful children that you gave us and they now have all these things they call autism whatever they have and some of them are young people but lord right now in their life they're not going either forward or backwards it's like confusion father we pray for all of them that by the power of your anointing you destroy every yoke over them that your name will be glorified there shall be good news in the house of the righteous thank you merciful father we are grateful for what grace has given us access to you access to your power access to your authority we are grateful blessed be thy name in jesus mighty name we pray amen